Okay, this is part three of the high school questions and answers. Um, it's actually questions that were submitted, um, like the first two parts, by uh, boys in high school, in the Jewish high school. Um, those those were done in front of a live audience, in front of the actual students. Um, this part is not going to be. This is just going to be recorded without them. Um, I'm going to talk. do five questions that they asked about Chumras. Um, and time permitting, we'll continue to other ones. If not, we'll just do that. Um, and the first question was, how come there are some people who eat only yashem? <clears throat> Everything, everybody else seems to eat things that are not yashem or don't care about them. Why do these some people only eat what's yashem? <clears throat> and the answer for that takes a couple minutes, and that is, Torah tells us that the five primary grains, that's wheat, rice, spelt, oats, and barley, you can only eat them if they've been in existence or they were planted by the time a certain carbon is born. The carbon of Aymer is brought on the first day <coughs> excuse me, of Cholomai Pesach. So that means is <coughs> that if we planted grains before Pesach, um, I'm sorry, if we planted grains after Pesach, those grains are chadash. So right now, I'm recording this in the, in the summer. If someone would plant grains now, those grains, when they would be harvested, they would be not allowed to be eaten until Cholomai Pesach in the coming year. Um, once they pass Cholomai Pesach, then they're yashan, they're old. Told them they're called chadash, they're new. And after that, they're considered yashan, they're old, and you can eat them. Um, so that means if someone planted uh, wheat uh, a year ago, or they planted wheat in, in the winter, this year in the winter, it would be mutter uh, once they pass through Pesach. Now, most of the Paiskim say that this halacha applies even if, it's, if you even if you live out of Eretz Yisrael, even if it grew in the field of a non-Jew, um, basically, they most Paiskim say that a person needs to be careful and only eat food that's that's yashan. Now, but on the other hand, for hundreds of years, um, well, very fine yidin, most Jews were not very particular about this din. And so the later Paiskim talk about different ideas. What what was the reason? Why was everybody not being makbut on this? Which the earlier Paiskim seems to be very clear that you have to be makbut on it. Um, and so that's a question that's not for today's discussion, but. Um, in fact, so the people who continue to be lenient are following precedent that, in fact, their you know, grandparents and back hundreds of years, people were doing that. And those who are being machmir are saying, listen, the simple din is, the din seems to be pretty clear. It says in the Shulchan Aruch, it says in all the, in, you know, all the, the poiskim back and forth that a person should be machmir, and that's why they're being machmir. So that's why some people do and some people don't. Now, in the practice of it, um, in the United States, Ryan spelt are always yashan, and that's because they're planted in the fall and they're harvested after Pesach. So, Every time Ryan spelt come to market, um, they are stuff that's been was in existence over Pesach, so we're good through Cholmoy Pesach. Uh, and the same thing is also when you make something called winter wheat, which is wheat that's that that's planted um, Sukkot time, it then goes dormant during the winter and is harvested um, in the early summer. So that again always was it, it had started to grow already before Pesach and. Um, that's always yashan. You use that to make like crackers and other crunchy foods. But the, the concern for people who eat yashan is spring wheat and durum wheat. Those are wheats that are used to making bread. That's the spring wheat. And other fluffy type foods. And durum wheat is used for making pasta. So those will become chadash. The chadash ones will be harvested sometime in late summer, like right around this time of the year. Now we're, we're in August at this point. So at some point in, around this time of the year. And those items will be then Chadash and Pesach, unless you get ones from the previous year, uh, grains that were held over from the previous year. And <clears throat> the same idea also for oats and barley, <clears throat> they also get harvested around this time of the summer, uh, and then they would be um, Chadash until the next Pesach. So during that time, you have to find things that are um, 
that use ingredients that are made from yashan, that are hold, held over barley or oats or, or wheat in previous years. And that brings us right to the next question, and that is, um, someone tells me, a private person or a company tells me that something is yashan. I want to only eat yashan, and my, ne- my neighbor tells me, yeah, this thing is, is yashan. Well, the company says, yes, our products are all yashan. Can I take their word for it? Is that good enough? Can I just count on them when they said that? So the general rule is <clears throat> that if a person is Shemr Shabbos, um, we trust him, that person on kashras and other types of issues, even if that person himself is not particular about that din. Like in this case, many Jews uh, eat, are not particular to only eat yashan. So this person is is still Shemr Shabbos. He's still a fine, reputable person, even though he does not eat yashan. And if he tells me that it is, so the din says is that I'm allowed to um, trust that person. So as long as I have somebody who's a Shemr Shabbos, he keeps kosher, uh, I can trust that person when he, um, that person is trustworthy um, when he says food is yashan, even if he personally does not only eat yashan. However, there's, of course, there's going to be a but to this. That, that means is we know that a person, uh, since he's a Shemr Shabbos, he cares about people following the din, doing the right thing. So when he tells me he's yashan, I can trust him that he's telling me the truth. However, he might be telling me the truth, but you have to make sure that the person also is knowledgeable. For example, let's say he says he makes a stir fry, and he says, "Yeah, this is yashan. This food is yashan." But he doesn't realize that soy sauce contains wheat in it. So he's being honest that he really thinks that the food is yashan, but he doesn't actually really know enough to make that to say the truth of that statement that it actually is yashan. So when you before you so to speak trust the person, you have to just make sure that the person really. Um, has all the information that you need to make to take a position on that and actually say that um, food is yashan, even if he, <coughs> um, again, the person who's not being particular himself at home for yashan may not know enough, may not know all the information in order to answer that question um, properly. Okay, so now let's move on from, from yashan to two questions about chalisha. <coughs> and the first one is um, similar to the other first question, that is, okay, we, my, we don't eat, only chalvisor in our family. We eat even chalvstam, um, but and I see other people eat are eating chalvisor, and uh, it seems to be that that's a better thing to do. Is that something worthwhile? Should I should I start to do that? Is there reasons why I should be doing that? So to understand this, um, actually, it's similar to the way we spoke about yashan a couple of minutes ago, and that is the Mishnah says that the Chacham told us that you can only drink milk if a Jew was standing there watching the cows be milked. Um, well, it doesn't have to be a cow, it could be a sheep or other camels, but it has to be watching the, the, watching it um, to make sure that the milk that comes out of there, it's coming from the kosher animal, not from a non-kosher animal. Um, so that's pretty straightforward that you have to eat chalvisol. <coughs> but when we poke around and probe a little deeper into the reason why the Chazal answered it, there may be two possible uh, justifications for being makel in certain circumstances. And the first is, the reason why um, Chazal made this iser to eat chalvakum is, as I said, because they want to make sure there isn't non-kosher milk mixed in. Okay, no problem. So Prichadr says that takana only makes sense in a situation where the n- person who's non-Jewish would have some incentive to put in uh, non-kosher milk, and he has realistic possibility to do that. Okay, what happens if non-kosher milk costs more than the cow's milk? Or there are no kosher, non-kosher animals altogether that are fit for milking in this whole town. There's nothing here. So he says, the Prechadr says, in that case, Chazal would have never required to eat only Chal because there's nothing to be concerned about. And therefore, he holds that in those kind of cases, a person could eat milk even or milk products even if there was no 
Jewish person there by the milking. Um, Chazanish says accepts this opinion of the Pichadosh. So he says in certain countries, um, you could drink milk even if it's not Chol Yisrael. Um, he doesn't specifically say the United States, but that is a good example of that because there's no real easy way for a farmer to get non-kosher milk. The machines that you milk, use for milking cows don't aren't even suited for other animals other than cows. And the truth is, if he got milk from, a, from now, let's say from a horse, it would be way more expensive than cow's milk. So he has no incentive at all to mix in the other milk. So Prichadosh slash Chazanish would have said that you'd be allowed to eat it. Now, Ramosh Feinstein gave a different reason to be mekel. And that is, he said, the, he says, you know, that the Prichadosh has one sheet. The Chassam Soifer argues on the Prichadosh. And he says that um, the Yid has to watch it, even in a place where there's no incentive for the person to cheat, you still have to make it holy soul. But he says, but when 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 the Chacham said a yid has to watch it, so most people think that says well, that's what you have to do. A Jew has to watch it. Ramosh says no. That that's uh, you know if you look at the in the rules of evidence, you can go, talk about a bezdin watching something happen. An eyewitness to an account is a very strong level of evidence. But there are actually in din there are actually is an even stronger level of evidence, and that's called anan sahadi. Anan sahadi means we are the witnesses, which means is there's something that's so obvious and so clear that it's as if everybody is testifying that it's true. So it's not just one eyewitness or two eyewitnesses who are coming and saying that something is true. It's, it's obvious to everybody that this thing is true. So Ramosh says, when the government said, well, I'm sorry, when the, sorry, when Chazal said you have to have a Jewish person watching it, they weren't, they weren't spe- specifically saying you have the Jew watch it. They were saying bring a level of proof that's as strong as a person watching. If we can have an Anan Sahadi, that's even better proof than Chazal would have for sure been happy with that thing. So he says, in, in the United States, the government oversight on the dairy industry, together with the, the fact that the, the, the producer, the, the, the dairy farmer, is afraid of, would completely lose his business if he got caught cheating and putting other milk into it. All of that together creates an anansahadi, creates that it's obvious to everybody that what's in that milk bottle, in that container, is cow's milk. No one has the slightest that it's obvious to everybody that that's cow's milk, and therefore that's, it's even stronger than the proof of a Jewish person watching it. So these are two reasons why there are people who eat what we call chal of stam. We eat milk that's not produced as chal of Even though they follow all the dinim, they're, they're, in general they're following, you know, the Shemr Shabbos and they follow other mitzvahs of the Torah. Um, they, they don't do what the Gemara says, so to speak, that you have to have chal because one of these two reasons why they hold that it's okay. That's true. But at the end of the day is these are very novel interpretations of the din. The din says you're supposed to watch it, and the, these are both saying, nah, it's okay, you don't have to watch it. Uh, there happen to be people who disagree with these opinions, but aside from disagreeing, uh, these are very novel opinions. And for example, Ramosha himself says that, he says many times, he says if a person has a choice, they should eat the good old-fashioned traditional chal visual rather than being makel and allowing uh, this practice, what we call chal v'sal. He had a different name for it, but that's what we call it. Um, so the most obvious reason why a person would want to eat only chal visual is because they want to avoid relying on this kind of an unusual, novel interpretation, and instead would rather just go with a more straightforward requirement to have chal visual. Now, there are some secondary advantages of chal visual. Um, three that I can tell you are, um, one is there are certain surgeries that are done to animals, um, to cows, that could potentially make them into a trefa, meaning they would become not kosher. Um, in a chal visor production, mashkiach makes sure that those cows are not used for milking. Um, there are halachic reasons why that's not such an issue for non chal But in the end of the day is, the person eating the chal is avoiding those animals, the milk from the animals that would be trafis. Second is, um, it's not so clear exactly which countries these leniencies apply to. I told you, uh, Prichadash, Sleish Chajanish, 
excuse me, and Ramosha, who say it's mutter in certain countries, not so clear which countries it works in. So in the United States, um, the milk coming from the actual United States is okay, uh, but <clears throat> there are other countries which are not as obvious that it's, it should be mutter, and some hashkachas will be makel about things that not everybody would agree to. So that means is a person who buys chal v'shal knows that he's for sure getting stuff that's okay, that's chal v'shal, as opposed to if he buys um, the non chal v'shal, he may be getting some dairy components that are coming from countries that not everyone agrees these leniencies should apply to. And the last is that the people who make chal v'shal, um, by and large, tend to be more particular about um, how a certain other halachim issues aside from the chal v'shal. Like, for example, what temperature do they kasher their equipment at? Or how much um, oversight do they do when they make gavinis yisrael, special halachas for making cheese, um, for gavinis What? how do they do that? So they have other hakpadas, other things that they're careful about that you gain by eating chol that might not be present if you ate <coughs> non-chol yisrael. Okay, now, the next, that leads to the next question, and that is, <coughs> okay, um, we have, I know people who eat non-chol yisrael, I'm sorry, who eat only chol yisrael, but yet they eat... Uh, Donuts and Dunkin' Donuts. Well, those are not chalvisol. So why do they eat those? If they don't, if they only eat chalvisol, why would they be? Why would they say, yeah, but we're allowed to eat the dunk, the donuts at Dunkin' Donuts? So <clears throat> the answer to that is that um, Chazal were concerned that people would adulterate cow's milk with milk from non-kosher cows, correct? And that's why, as I've told you, that's why you can only eat chalvisol. Um, now that's one. That's the reason. That's why they asked eating chalvisol. I'm sorry, chalakum. Now, separately, they made another iser that a person can't eat cheese made by someone who's non-Jewish um, unless it meets certain qualifications and called Gvinis Yisrael, a Jew's cheese. Okay, so there's two different isurim. One is to eat Chal Akam, and one is to eat Gvinis Akam. Okay, so those are two different isurim. And there's something, that there is a, there's a group of items, they come from milk, but they're not milk, and they're not cheese. Okay, they're in between. Okay, and so they're, they don't fall into the rules of Chol of Yisrael because they're not milk. They don't fall into the milk, the rules of Gvinis Yisrael because they're not cheese. Okay, and we call those things butter, Chema, call those things butter. Um, may, the actual, what we're about to talk about may not actually apply to modern day butter, but that's not relevant to our discussion. It's just, it's just a, a class. There's milk products, there's milk, there's cheese, and then there's butter. Milk has the rules of Chol of Yisrael. Cheese has a rule, so green is Israel, and then there's this in-between thing called chema, which is butter. So, Nahar Tzvi says that powdered milk has the advantages of butter because it's not milk, and it's not cheese, uh, but, um, and therefore, it's, it's, this, it's in this Goldilocks state. It's right there in the middle there, um, and it doesn't need, it doesn't need to be chal Israel, and it doesn't need to be green is Israel. So you could buy it even if there was no Jewish person watching during the milking. Um, <clears throat> he says this about powdered milk. Um, that is, powdered milk means is milk that was they boil out all the water out of it to the point that it turns into a powder, uh, and that powder has a lot of the properties of milk, but it's not like liquid form. Um, so those people who follow this opinion will eat food if they know that the they only eat chol but if it's powdered milk, if the dairy is from powdered milk, they'll eat it. And Dunkin', the donuts at Dunkin' Donuts, at least locally. Uh, are made from, the, the dairy component is made from a powdered milk. So they say, hey, I'm allowed to eat things, I only eat chal but I can eat powdered milk. Uh, that's not chal so and therefore they would be lenient. Now, <clears throat> other places can disagree with this hard to for two reasons. Um, one is that the, the, one of the preconditions for something qualifying as butter 
Things only are considered butter rather than milk if it would be impossible to make that product from the milk of a non-kosher animal. Okay, and for what Chazal tells us, you can't make butter from the milk of a non-kosher animal. So that's in order to be butter. That one of the preconditions is that you couldn't make this out of non-kosher animals, and therefore, therefore, we're confident that it only came from a kosher animal. Well, that's not true of powdered milk. You can make powdered milk out of milk from any kind of animal. So the Chazanish says that's a reason to disagree with this. Uh, Hartzvi, because Hartzvi is trying to argue that the powdered milk has the status of butter. He says, no, it, it doesn't doesn't even get into the ballpark to be considered butter. That's one argument. And the other argument from Mr. Khan Aaron is that um, <clears throat> powdered milk does not have this leniency of butter for a different reason, and that's because um, you could reconstitute it right back into milk. Just add water, and it turns right back into milk. So therefore, that's not the same as butter, which can't be reversed. You can't turn it back into milk. Okay, so most people who eat Chal Vishal are also um, do not agree with this hard and will not eat powdered milk products that are not so either. But there are those people who are mekel, and who, that's why some people who don't eat, who only eat chalvisol, will still eat, um, <coughs> excuse me, the, these donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, now uh, our last question about chumras <coughs> is um, um, we just talked about chalvisol. The question was, I got it. I heard a chalvisol, but what's pasisol? I never, I don't know what that is at all. And am I supposed to be doing that? I, I, you, we just talked about chalvisol. What about what's this pasisol thing? And do I have to do that? So, <clears throat> the Mishnah says um, that a person can't eat pas. I'm going to tell you in a minute what that word pas means. Um, I mean, the, the literal translation is bread, but I can't eat pas um, unless a Jew participated in the cook in the baking of it, and that's called pasisol. Okay. Um, the it, it it the idea of it is to discourage fraternity between uh, uh, Jews and non-Jews, which could lead to intermarriage. Okay, so the Gemara says it was really difficult to do this uh, because bread is such a staple food, and it's really hard to get. It was, in those days, it was hard to get bread that was pas So um, they took back this iser. They, they retracted. Well, the, at some point, the, the iser was retracted, uh, and it and they said we're retracting it partially. If it's if the if the pas was made by a baker, by a palter, then it's going to be mutter. Why would they allow it if it's made by a baker different than it's made by just a private person? The thinking is, um, there's a, people really need to have pas, so that's the impetus for, make, for being lenient about something. And second is, um, when, you make, when you buy pas from a baker, that's a financial transaction. It's just, it's just a business deal. It's not social. It's not a, it doesn't make me feel close to the person. It wouldn't have nothing to do. It's not like getting it from my next door neighbor. And it, had, it won't at all lead to intermarriage. Um, <clears throat> and therefore, in order to help people who really needed bread, and there was no, it, was, it was, wasn't possibly a pasta stroll, they said you could buy pasta pasta bread from these bakers who are doing it commercially. Now, some are trying to say um, pasta pasta Paspalter is only um, permitted when there's great need, like like in the, like the way in those days there was no way to get any bread. But what happens if you have pasisol available? Then you should eat, and that you should get that. And that you know, the, then you still the ister still applies. And others say that once um, paspalter was uh, taken back, once that part of the ister was rescinded, then you could eat it no matter what, and in <clears throat> um, any even if it's available, you could eat paspalter also. There are more. And most didn't follow this later opinion, latter opinion, and they say um, that you can eat, and you can even certify for that matter, things that are past product, past products that are made commercially, even if they're not past Israel. Okay, the shach says no, you should be makbed and only eat past powder unless 
uh, I'm sorry, when, when it's, we should eat past Yisrael when it's available, like the, the, the other shita. Um, and some people even only eat past Yisrael, will only eat, will not eat past Palatine, even if there's nothing comparable uh, in past Yisrael. Okay, there's different opinions like that. Okay. Um, those who follow the Ramah, even so, who, who the Ramah says you can eat past Palter even when the past Yisrael is available, during, on Shabbos and during the Shesh Meitshuva will be Mumachmer. Now, which foods are pas? Um, so the simple, simple food is bread. Pas means bread. Um, but also the rule is anything for which a person would start hamotzi, if they eat it by itself or they eat it as part of a meal. Okay, well, how do I know what to make hamotzi on? So a um, couple of requirements is it has to be have one of the five grains in it, wheat, rice, spelt, oats, and barley, one of those five primary grains, and also have tzurasapasa, shape, the form of a, of a, of a bread. Um, so, for example, uh, Bread and matzah, uh, I'm sorry, so, so bread, pizza, cookies, um, cake, crackers, all those things um, are considered to have the, the shape of bread. And if a person eats enough of them, you'd make hamaiti on them. Um, they may not be actual bread, but they're close enough to bread. It's called possible kissing that you make hamaiti if you ate enough of them. <clears throat> and therefore, um, they're included. But things like pasta or a little cereal like Cheerios or or uh, oatmeal, those things do not have churros or pasta. They don't have the... Uh, the shape, the form of a bread—they have nothing. They're so far removed from bread that they are. You wouldn't make hamotzi no matter how much you eat. Those do not need to be passed. There's a, a, a difference of opinion about whether wraps are considered passed or not. So you can ask your about that. Um, so all the things that are included in pass, uh bread and matzah and crackers and uh, pizza and cakes and cookies and all kinds of things like that are in the rules of pass. And for those people who are makbed on pass Israel who are makbed on pass Israel when it's available, <coughs> would want to. Um, Eat those foods only if they are in Pasis Roll. Now, we have time. I'll do, uh, let's see, a little bit more. Uh, some more questions. Uh, we have some time still. <clears throat> and the, the first question is, um, are all chickens kosher? What about all ducks and geese and turkeys and quails and things like that? Are they all kosher? Um, there has been some tumults about it, and that's, I guess, why they asked the question. And so the answer is like this. The turret gives us all kinds of ways I mean, very clear directions of how to know which animals and fish are kosher. Animals have to chew their cud and have split hooves. Fish are kosher <clears throat> if they have scales that can come off without ripping the flesh. So it's, those are pretty clear. But for birds, the Torah does not give us uh, criteria for knowing which birds are kosher, which ones are not. It just says these are 24 birds that are not kosher, and the rest are all okay. Now, the, tell, the, the Gemara tells us some ways of identifying kosher and non-kosher fish. Um, but there were you know, different signs of how to figure it out. But those signs were not as obvious as chewing your cud and, or having scales or things like that. And mistakes happened. And people relied on what they thought were these signs to figure out which was a, a kosher bird. And in fact, they made mistakes. So the minute with time developed that we only eat birds that we have a masur, that we have a tradition that they're kosher. And if we don't have a masur, that we don't eat those birds. So um, there's masur for chicken, duck, geese, turkey, and quail but not all breeds of them. And that is as follows. For chicken and turkey, all the common breeds are, that we see are have a messiah to them. And one exception is the, the chickens that lay the green and blue eggs. Those we do not consider ourselves to have a messiah for those. Ducks and geese, um, there are specific ones that we have a messiah for. That includes the mallard and the pekin, pekin ducks and the white emden and gray toes geese. Uh, but other ones are more questionable, including Muscovy dog and mular dog and Canadian geese. The Canadian geese are the ones I don't know, at least where we live, they roam through the parks, they have their long black necks, 
um, those we do not have a Maseret for. Okay? And now, when we turn to quail, there are lots of birds called quail. Um, basically, lo- lots of small birds, people just call them quails. Um, there's one that has a Maseret for it, Caternix, uh, Caternix. Uh, and so, if you, so that means is, if you go to the store and you want to buy a chicken egg, you can assume that the chicken egg is kosher. It came from a kosher chicken. <coughs> from ducks, geese, and quail, <coughs> We would not recommend you eat them unless they have a hashkacha to make sure that it came from a kosher breed and not from a non-kosher breed. Um, one last bird to mention, not so much for eating, and that is Miss Robins. Um, there isn't a, a clear Maseret that Robins are kosher, but many people use them for, will perform the mitzvah of Shaluch and Cain on Robins. That mitzvah only applies to kosher animals, kosher birds, uh, but uh, people assume that they're kosher, but that is, they wouldn't make a brach on, on that mitzvah of Shaluch and Cain because um, on the question of maybe they really isn't kosher. So they would do the mitzvah of the assumption that probably is kosher, <coughs> but not with a bracha. Um, and not, they would not uh, recite a bracha on that. Okay, that's it for now. There's actually a couple, a whole group of more questions that the boys asked. Um, maybe we'll save that for a different time.